Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studio in Alpharetta, it's time for Profit Sense with Bill McDermott. Good morning. Welcome to Profit Sense. This podcast dives into the stories behind some of Atlanta's successful businesses and business owners and the professionals that advise them. We help local business leaders get the word out about the important work they're doing to serve their market, their community, and their profession, as well as discuss current issues that business owners are facing today across a wide variety of industries. I'm your host, Bill McDermott, and this show is presented by The Profitability Coach. When business owners want to increase their profitability, they often don't have the expertise to know where to start or what to do. I leverage my knowledge and relationships in a prior life as a banker to identify the hurdles getting in the way and create a plan to deliver profitability they never thought possible. So we have two great guests on the show today. We're talking about leadership, y'all. Leadership, uh, how to find leaders, how to develop leaders. And so with us today, uh, Beth Miller, who's the president and founder of Executive Philosophy. Beth, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. And Eric Handler with Handler, a retained executive search firm. Eric, welcome to Profit Sense. Great to be here. So, Beth, we're going to start with you. So, leaders, leadership, uh, I've heard a lot of sayings, leaders are are born and not made, and we know that's not true. Um, But let's talk about developing leaders. Um, I've often heard people say that uh, leaders have vision, managers manager a process, uh, I do believe that leaders are made. So talking about <laughs> developing leaders, what do you find is is one of the biggest challenges in developing leaders in today's market? Well, time, first of all. Um, you know, a lot of people are very, very busy now. Yeah, that's right. So, so um, getting them to pay attention to the important aspects of leadership um, is, is critical. But it's it's also getting sponsors those manager leaders who are willing to commit and invest in those upcoming leaders right. is, is important as well. And so part of that is probably confronting a certain amount of reality that, uh, okay, I have this leadership gap in my organization. And then because we are so busy, you have to actually create some capacity so that people can can continue to develop as leaders. So how do you see that play out in organizations and creating that capacity so leaders can be developed? Well, part of it is um, identifying those things that leaders, current leaders, can incorporate into their work. So it's it's not about doing homework, right? It's about action, and you know there is some homework involved when I develop leaders and go through a coaching process. I always try and keep homework to like a less than an hour. Right. And then it's about um, diving into the theory and identifying opportunities on how to apply that theory within the workday. So it's it's really that application that um, obviously they have to be um, cognizant of, of practicing and building a, a new behavior but it's not taking extra time. Yeah, we're talking this morning with Beth Miller, who's president and founder of Executive Velocity. Beth Miller is an experienced corporate executive, business owner, and entrepreneurial leader 
with a love for developing talent and seeing others succeed. Um, and De- Beth, on uh, the topic of development, we've talked about creating the time, but but what are some of the traits or some of the characteristics that are being developed uh, for leaders? <laughs> well, I think it, it generally depends on the the experience of the leader. I work with a lot of younger leaders, newer leaders that are coming up, and some of them, it's their, their first leadership opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so some of the common themes I see are, are like delegation, right? Um, being able to, to identify the right person and delegate appropriately, and then build that accountability um, for, for feedback so that the, the person who is being delegated to has the, the sense and the knowledge of being able to come back to the person, the, the manager, and ask questions versus just being quiet and and then all of a sudden the leader's like, well, wait a minute, I I told you and delegated to you this, and it's been a week. Why hasn't it happened? Right. Yeah, and that- it's and it's really a, about understanding how to effectively delegate um, in an accountable way. Yeah, and and accountability is a is a topic that we could probably spend yes. the rest of our time together talking yeah. about. But I do find that there is a um, a mindset issue around if I delegate this to someone, I can just kind of you know right. <laughs> you know uh, wash my hands right. of it. It's done, uh, and I can kind of move on. But that's right. that's so not true. Exactly, and and then there is the opposite where you you I find there are some leaders newer who will delegate but micromanage. The delegation process, which isn't helping that individual that you've delegated to to develop. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, uh, before we move off developing leaders, uh, I'm reminded of a of a quote from uh, Peter Drucker. He said, "Culture eats mm-hmm. strategy for breakfast." <laughs> developing leaders is also uh, part of how do you how do you build a culture. And how do you get people who want to follow you uh, based on that culture that they're creating? True, uh, but that that starts with hiring the right people, and ah. and having the right hiring process internally, where um, the the leaders understand how to do behavioral interviewing, um, and and really understand what are the values that that the candidate is bringing to the table that fits with. Your culture, yeah, yeah. Uh, another quote I've heard, which which resonates, is uh, people people hire on skills, yeah. uh, but they fire on behavior. Yeah, and so it's true that those behavioral questions that you're talking about in the interview are absolutely critical. Yeah, and that's um, that's another area that all leaders need to improve on is yeah. is interviewing skills. Yeah, a yeah. lot of them will go on their gut um, that that first impression. But it's digging into and understanding how people think, get things done, not what they got done. Yeah, yeah. So uh, switching on to uh, talk about some of the challenges of succession planning. Uh, first of all, I loved your book. Oh, thank you. Replaceable, yes. an obsession with succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was so well written. Uh, you not only created a system, uh, but also a structure around that. So 
Uh, first, uh, anybody listening that uh, is looking for a great book on succession planning, please uh, please look up Re- Replaceable. I'm sure you can find it on Amazon. It is. It's on Amazon. And yeah. uh, and so just uh, well done. I haven't read Are You Talent Obsessed yet, <laughs> but uh, but that's the second book that I think you've written. Actually, that was the first. Oh, that was yeah. the first. Okay, mm-hmm. so I had them. I had them out of order. Uh, well, I look forward to reading that one as well. But let's let's talk about the challenges of succession planning. What what do you see as the number one challenge? Uh, the number one challenge, at least for small mid sized companies, is um, the leader of the organization and he or she being prepared to to step away. Right and. And if they're not, they're not fully engaged in the succession planning process. So I often am working with the business owner to get him or her to understand what does life look like after they leave? Yeah. Yeah. What's their plan? Right. Right. And then once that happens, then, um, then it's really about understanding the key positions in your organization, not the people, but the positions first. And, and then taking a look at your strategy and saying, hey, are there other positions three, or, three to five years out that we're going to need to meet that strategy? And then you take a look at, at the people in the positions. Are they really doing what they need to do? And if not, well, development, right? right. Um, or um, the people below them, are there people that are ready to step into that position yep. should somebody leave, pass away, whatever. Um, so it's, it's not just the business owner succession plan, but it's the whole organization having that leadership pipeline. Yeah. And I've also found um, inertia seems to play into this a lot. Uh, if the business owner is at rest uh, with their succession planning, likely they're going to going to stay mm-hmm. uh, at rest. Yeah. So how do you find um, how do you find ways to overcome inertia? Because <laughs> so many so many business owners, so it's the baby boomer generation yeah. is retiring. Yeah. There are going to be hundreds and thousands of, of baby boomers that are going to be exiting their businesses. Yeah. Studies, I think, show that very few uh, have done any kind of significant planning. That's correct. So uh, how do you overcome inertia <laughs> to get them engaged in Gen- the process? Gener- generally, I don't. It's usually the, the people that come to me um, have come to the conclusion that, that they need to start planning. Now, some of them came to the cl- conclusion too late. For instance, there was a gentleman that I was working with in, up in Chicago. He was seventy years old, and he, mm. you know, he wanted to retire in the next year. I'm like, you have, you have no succession plan. The people below you, you have nobody below you that can take this this your position over. Um, you sh- you should have started this five years ago. I I can't help you. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's too late. Yeah, excellent point. Um, We're talking with Beth Miller, president and founder of Executive Velocity. Uh, Since 2009, Executive Velocity has been providing talent solutions, custom designed to develop a robust leadership pipeline for your organization. And Beth, continuing on the theme of uh, succession planning, um, if someone hasn't done any planning and needs to start, kind of how do they start and where do they start? Well, in my book, um, there 
the first chapter or second chapter is really about um, assessing your organization as to whether or not it's ready to go through a succession planning process. Because there's certain things that need to be in place before you do that. Um, there, there needs to be um, a, a system of identifying high potentials. Mm-hmm. What does a high potential look like? Um, you need to identify key positions. You need to have career conversations. There are all these, these, these processes that really need to be in place before you go through a succession planning process. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit more about the high potentials. Um, and, and so how do you, uh, and I think if I remember the book correctly, uh, the high potentials are people that are constantly, uh, engaged. Uh, I would say maybe a characteristic is their drivers. They're, they're lifelong learners. They're always looking at, uh, continuous improvement. Um, and so if I'm on with that definition, how do, you, how do you find those high potentials in your organization? Well, obviously, if the, the smaller your organization, the easier it's going to be, right? right? Um, the, the larger the organization, you really need to have a process in place and clearly define what a high potential looks like because there are going to pe- be people, you've, you've got to be really transparent about the, the, the process of succession planning. And there'll be people that may feel like they're a high potential, but aren't. And you need to have that conversation with them mm-hmm. on this is what what our organization looks for in a high potential. Sure. Right? So um, because the high potentials are the ones that are going to get some extra development opportunities, right. right? They're the ones that will have, um, you know, get special projects. Or um, because they're high potential, they'll probably even go out and seek special projects. They're the ones that, that want the opportunities. They're not going to wait for the opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also seen even a lot of organizations with uh, 40, 50, maybe even 60 employees really don't have a organized professional development program. Mm-hmm, that's true. Uh, I'm finding that there aren't really career development conversations that are, that are taking place uh, a lot of times, some of these organizations don't even have a fully dedicated human resource right. person. Yeah, and so how do you go about helping them develop uh, those structures and systems in place so that they can uh, be successful in their succession planning process? So it 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 depends on the size. You know, a, a fifty sixty employee company is a you know leadership's program, development program, really is not going to financially make sense to them. Um, so coaching is where I would come in mm-hmm. and um, identify the core competencies that are required for, for leaders in the organization, do a 360 assessment, um, identify the gaps, and, and put together a development plan um, of basically three objectives that um, would we would work over a, a year's time in, in developing. Now, a larger organization, I, I worked with a company down in Florida where you know, there were about 300 employees, and um, we created a, a leadership certification program. So ah, we identified yeah. um, five key competencies that they wanted all of their young leaders to have. Mm-hmm. It was coaching, communications, um, what was the other ones? 
coaching, communications, uh, accountability, and it was it was a couple of years ago. So, but you know, you 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 choose those and then build build around. Yeah. Um, the, what a great way to think about it, having a certification program. Yeah. Um, and that leads into another topic I wanted to explore with you. Um, coaching is really a core leadership skill. Definitely, yes. And uh, and so I'm I'm going back to maybe my own journey uh, when I was in uh, banking management. So I think I had a pretty decent IQ. I saw my EQ as uh, as suffering a little bit. So uh, Daniel Goleman's book, Primal Leadership, uh, really helped me develop a, a little better EQ. But but coaching is as much about listening. Yes. And uh, not only listening, but but actually taking an active role in confirming or paraphrasing uh, actually what the person is saying. Uh, and I think that's where you come in as a valuable resource to coach uh, those future leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition to the the company in Florida, does a particular story come to mind where you've really seen um, the change occur over time? Yeah, um, there was a company up in uh, Philadelphia that they've since sold, but um, they were about 40 employees and they they wanted um, their their leaders to get some development, so it, it was a combination of of coaching and group coaching mm-hmm. because there were themes there that they were all working on. So so we would get together in a group and and um, and share their best practices, like coaching, for right. instance. Um, but I was originally brought in because there was one high potential who who. Um, had an issue um, and they really, they wanted her to get past it. Um, and it was, it was an EQ issue and we, we worked through it. Um, one of the things that I realized about her and, and some of the other people that I, that I work with, if they're highly goal oriented, they're really going to put, put the effort in. And, um, and she, you know, I, I stretched her, um, made her, made her, but got her to um, do try some things that she didn't think were going to work, uh, but they did. And so she got some some quick wins. And eventually, two years later, she um, was reporting to the president. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is awesome. So um, one of the things I wanted to, to also um, – talk about is uh, in the in the idea of coaching uh, it seems to me that having a growth mindset mm-hmm. as well as being a lifelong learner mm-hmm. really uh, plays at, at some of the core of coaching uh, yes. what's been your experience there yeah um, the growth mindset to me is you know it's it's being able to to think outside the box and and not have have those barriers, but you have them, but you, you question them. Right. Right. Um, and oftentimes what will happen when I'm working with, with individuals, they, they have some sort of mental block. Um, and I'll ask them the question, well, where's the data? And they'll stop. Well, I, 
and they can't they can't come up with you know something specific that ties to their belief. It's it's just something in the past, right? Not in the present, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I'm thinking that your prior experience as a Vistage chair mm-hmm. has really helped you in in terms of coaching uh, these leaders and developing them. Uh, how have you found drawing on that prior experience has helped you become the great coach that you are? I think just um, a lot of different experiences and a lot of different personalities that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And, and from each one of, of the experiences, learning yeah. and taking something away. Yeah. 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 So I, I want to ask you, I know there's going to be some listeners that are uh, leadership development, uh, talent development uh, is heavy on their minds. Uh, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, through my website, which is executive-velocity.com or on LinkedIn, where you can find me as Beth Arm Connect Miller. Well, the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found I share, uh, you know, William McDermott is, uh, is, uh, there's, there's two of us and, and the other one that used to be, uh, uh, and I'm trying to remember, I think he's with, uh, uh, a service company, but anyway, he was formerly with SAP. He, mm-hmm. he ranks higher than me in the, in the Google rankings, <laughs> but, uh, but he doesn't rank for the profitability yeah. coach. But anyway, well, Beth, um, it has been great having you. You've got a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom. And uh, uh, thank you for coming on and sharing that here at Profit Sense today. Well, thank you for inviting me, Bill. And so uh, continuing our conversation with, with leadership and uh, uh, finding those leaders out in the marketplace, Eric Handler is joining us with Handler. And Eric, I really want to first talk about Handler. Um You've got a very unique position in the marketplace. Uh, I'd like to hear kind of uh, the handler story, uh, maybe focusing on your uniqueness in the market. Uh, what are some of the core values and the core focus? Uh, and uh, uh, I think it's cool that you have a BHAG. I'm wondering at, uh, if you'd share your BHAG as well. So thanks for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here. Um, well, I could talk for hours about the handler story. Um, it's uh, It actually started with my father back in 1977. He started our firm uh, when when retained executive search really wasn't uh, a big industry at the time. Recruiting wasn't a big industry. And so I've kind of got born into the business, you could say. Yeah, yeah. So second generation, What's uh, what's been your experience coming in and uh, – uh, following uh, the lead, but also uh, putting your uh, thumbprint on the organization. Yeah. Well, for anyone that's out there listening and, they, and they're part of a family business, uh, we could probably go off onto the side, <laughs> have a cup of coffee, and talk a, a lot about the different stories that, uh, that can happen. But I'm proud to say that our relationship uh, with my dad is better than it's ever been. And, and, and that was uh, always a great thing by coming into the business. So yeah. we've had I'm the third leader in our firm, and uh, certainly I've had to grow into the fact that uh, how my father started the business and built the business is going to be different than uh, how how I've done it. And so I've had to get very comfortable in my leadership and my style as as we continue to grow uh, into the future. Sure, sure. And there is a uniqueness that Handler offers in the marketplace. Could you could you go into that a little bit? Sure. Well, I mean, it starts with our history. 
Uh, we've been here in the market here in Atlanta for almost 45 years. Uh, wow. we're, the, we're the longest standing, still standing executive search firm. So it speaks to the network that we've developed. It's uh, really unprecedented. It's an honor to be a part of it. And so that's, uh, that's a big part of our uniqueness. And as a result, uh, about 90% of our business is really right here in our own backyard where we're doing executive search and working with, uh, with organizations. And then I would say, finally, you know, we're really focused on the fit and the vision of an organization to help them identify leaders that are truly worth following within their business because we recognize how much of a difference that can make into their business. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to go down a, a tangent on that because I think while the topic is leadership, um, the comment you made, uh, finding leaders worth following, uh, I love that. Um, talk a little bit about uh, uh, how you find those leaders that are worth following. Well, that phrase I copy just like everything else, so I can't claim it, but it's a wonderful thing within a business because I think there's a very big difference between a leader and a, and a leader worth following, you know? And so we believe that a leader worth following is a difference maker. And uh, we have a process for identifying that. And uh, we think it works really well. Um, it's, it's a joy for us to be able to go back into an organization four or five years later and, and talk to that, that candidate at the time and to see how they flourished and grown in their career and to see what kind of difference they've made in the organization because of the impact. Yeah. That's gotta be incredibly gratifying. And of course, uh, I love your BHAG. Would you share that with our listeners? Absolutely. We love that as well. And it's why we do what we do. And that's to impact 5,000 lives by 2025. Wow. Wow. Something that we started in September of 2019. We're at 1,049. Uh, you see that sign over my shoulder all the time, uh-huh. and uh, it's just an exciting thing for us to realize that the work that we do really, truly impacts a life, not only for the candidate, but for the hiring manager uh, that, that that comes in, that, that hires that individual. Yeah, yeah. What a... Uh, uh what a what a great BHAG. And of course, for our listeners, uh, I have to be sure BHAG is Big Harry Audacious Goal. Uh, if you've never heard that term and uh, Eric and Handler uh, want to impact 5,000 lives, I have no doubt you'll get there, Eric. We, we plan on it. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking this morning uh, with Eric Handler, CEO of Handler. Uh, Handler is an Atlanta-based retained executive search and RPO firm. Uh, they find the difference makers in Atlanta uh, for the company vision that they're hiring for. And uh, they've managed over 4,000 searches over a 44-plus year history. Um, Eric, one of the things that I know you and I have talked about recently is uh, wanting to serve uh, the CFO community in, in America, or not in America, excuse me, in Atlanta, uh, and you're in the process of building a private network of executives and CFOs in Atlanta. Talk a little bit about the inspiration for that, and then uh, how's it going? Yeah, Bill, we're we're really excited about that, and uh, we just felt like uh, there would be a real a benefit uh, to the community to to develop a private network specifically of Atlanta-based CFOs. Uh, from our research, we think there's about 577 of them out there. Wow! And uh, plus or minus a couple, but we'll we'll discover that over time. And 
So we're actively looking for and identifying CFOs that are that that work and live here in Atlanta, and um, and really serve that community. And so we've just began that venture. Uh, it's going extremely well. We're super excited just because of the needs that CFOs have in the marketplace. You know, they're in a real unique position. They are, as uh, as you know better than I do. And I'm learning uh, by putting together our first group of CFOs that. They just have this unique role in an organization to be a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's really super exciting for us. I've found, too, uh, generally, uh, generalizations are always true but never correct. But uh, accounting is usually underappreciated in an organization and usually underfunded uh, as, as a result. So, so I can see a real benefit of having a network of CFOs that can collaborate and discuss issues. Plus, uh, by building that community, uh, you're telling them that you appreciate them uh, and you want to be sure that uh, they're acknowledged for the for the work that they do. So kudos to you about that. If, if someone is interested in trying to find out a little bit more about that network, what's the best way for them to tap into that? Should yeah. they contact you? Uh, is there a website that they can go to? Sure, sure. Yeah, if if you're a CFO uh, in Atlanta um, or know a CFO in Atlanta, they can just call me directly. Okay. Um, my number is 770-434-2044. And, or they can shoot me an email, which is just my name, eric at handler.com. And we'd be happy to learn a little bit more about them and their background and and what they're looking for to see if it's a good fit for, for our group and uh, would love to get them tied into some other CFOs. Uh, so uh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to go and talk a little bit about relationships. Um, Friend of mine, uh, Greg Burkhalter is the LinkedIn guy and his tagline is relationships first. Um, but everything that we do in work and really in life is is about relationships, uh, you know. And it, since it's about people, it it is personal. Talk about how you incorporate um, the role of uh, relationships in everything that you do at Handler. And also, uh, I do want to spend some time talking about some of the characteristics of relationships, like authenticity and empathy and and you know things like that yeah there's some there's some big ideas within that uh, and and i think it's really appropriate that the topic of leadership is for today especially as it relates to relationships uh, i remember the first book on leadership that i read i was 30 years old it set me off on my journey of learning uh-huh. and i think as i've grown in my leadership and and by the way that book was by john maxwell Ah, the uh, 21 laws of irrefutable leadership. Okay. Uh, that was such a good one. And I, I haven't read that one. So oh, thank man. you for that. There you go. <laughs> and uh, I think in essence, as I've grown in my leadership and my capabilities or competencies, it's, it's helped me tremendously in my ability to be in relationships with people. I remember early on in my journey, thinking to myself how I've become a better son uh, a better brother, uh, a better father, and a, a better coworker, just simply because of me learning more and investing more in myself about how to become a better leader. Yeah, and um, 
I'm I'm reminded of another book uh, called The Heart Led Leader, and it's by a gentleman named Tommy Spaulding. Uh, and authenticity is one of those traits uh, of of heart led leaders. And I'm wondering uh, uh, when you're looking in your search process, how do you identify those traits like authenticity as part of the hiring process? It's a great question. And, and, you know, that's why I love our business so much, because we get to hear so many stories. You know, you, you have the opportunity to either get on the telephone or uh, do a virtual meeting or an in-person meeting, and, and you get to hear about people's careers and, and people's stories. And, and over time, as a search consultant, you begin to develop a knack pretty quickly as to whether or not you're getting the real story uh-huh. or the not so real story. <laughs> <laughs> and so authenticity plays a huge role in what we do. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't, I don't often tell this, but my, my career actually started, I had this uh, great education from Wake Forest university. Uh, but my first position is I was the repo man for the auto dealer section of a large bank in North Carolina. So I had to go door to door collecting past due loans and repossessing the cars uh, if they, if they couldn't pay. Now, thank goodness. I not in that line of work anymore. I, uh, uh, my wife was concerned she was going to be the youngest widow ever, but uh, uh, (laughs) you, you do, you do learn about relationships uh, in that process as, as well. Oh, Sounds like a crash course in relationships <laughs> right there. <laughs> uh, we could go on about that, but I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get back. So uh, um, personal development. Uh, I know uh, we talked about that uh, uh, earlier with, with Beth, but talk a little bit about uh, why personal development is so important in becoming that leader worth following. Yeah. Well, I, th- First, I, th- I would say that uh, I've experienced it myself. I've experienced what personal development can do for me first as a person and as a husband. Um, the impact of, of just getting better as a human being on this planet uh, is an awesome thing uh, right. to be a better friend. And uh, so, as I mentioned, when that journey started and I started to learn that my real learning happened after school, from reading books and, 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 and uh, improving on myself that uh, we've, we've made it a big part of what handler is all about. Uh, and after all, if we're to recruit great leaders, it starts with us. We sure. have to be great leaders. Sure. And so we've, uh, we've created a, a, what we call the leadership journey at handler. It, it's an opportunity for, to spend some real one-on-one time with each one of our team members to ask them, you know, what's important for you? What, what does, what do you want in your leadership journey? Cause we're all on one. Right. And whether we want to grow it or not is another, is another uh, topic for discussion. We're going to assume that the people at Handler are wanting to grow their, in their journey. Sure. And so how can we support them in that journey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that they can be as valuable an individual to society as they possibly can. Because if we know, if we focus on that, that not only is Handler going to benefit, but our clients are going to benefit. Their family is going to benefit, and so we just call it the leadership journey. Yeah, that's what it is—a journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I know you and I in prior discussions have have talked about living a life of focus, what you tend to see in your mind's eye, uh, what you think about you tend to to bring about. So uh, talk a little bit about uh, living a life of focus, uh, what that's been like maybe on your leadership journey, uh, whether it's personal or professional. Wow. Well, I think about what what Beth said earlier, and that is the uh, challenge of time Yep. because uh, we don't have much of it. And then I think about focus and then I think about all the distractions in the world today. <laughs> like, how do you focus on anything? Right. Really? Um, but for me, and, and when, and when I think about focus, I, I think about really thinking about my future and I think about what's important uh, for, for me in my future as a, as a business owner, uh, as an employer, as a father, you know, all of the different facets in my life, what do I, what do I think about those as it relates to my future? Sure. And, uh, and I create some goals around that mm-hmm. uh, and I do my very best to think about that and to write about that. Uh, and the more I can do it and the more I can fo- the think about it, it's crazy how this works, but the more I end up focusing on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not un- un- unusual for maybe a month to go by and I'm like, what, what am I working towards again? What, what, what's my future look like? And I got to bring myself back <laughs> right. to center to say, oh, yeah, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And so it's, it's really a, a more of a tension to manage than a problem to solve as it relates to focus. Right, right. right. I've, uh, I've been told by several that they journal mm-hmm. and journaling is a way for them to maintain focus. I'm, I'm not a journaler, uh, I, but I can certainly see the, the benefit of, of doing that if someone chose to. Um, you know, I think living that life of focus, uh, also plays a role in personal development and on the leadership journey. So not only with your coworkers, but also with, uh, the people that you're, uh, finding those leaders that are worth following. Uh, how do you look for focus in their lives as part of maybe a recommendation for hiring? Mm. Yeah, well, we we have a, a a process that we call the top talent candidate predictor. It's it's about ten different variables. Three are driven by our client needs. Seven are are pretty standard for us. And we've got to create some kind of a true north that we know represent future success. And we really try to recruit towards that. So as we're in conversations with our candidates. We're kind of having an ear to some of the things that they're sharing, maybe some of the stories that they talk about, some of their experiences, some of the things that they're interested in in the future. Uh, you, you might be in this particular role today, but you can tell that they were born into it and they really don't like it. <laughs> and uh, those are telltale signs that you know maybe this is not the right person for the job. But having some kind of a true north in terms of the characteristics that you're seeking relative to a specific role. Uh, are going to be are really important for us as we evaluate candidates. Sure. Well, there's a war out there uh, for talent, which could be another uh, entire topic of, of conversation, Eric. But I do want to be sure, again, uh, for those that are looking for talent, uh, for those that you feel like uh, you could provide a, a really valuable service, uh, share with any listeners that might be wanting to engage uh, someone in a retained executive search, 
how do they get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. Uh, absolutely. Just just call me. Um, my telephone number is 770-434-2044. Uh, they can shoot me an email. Uh, my email is just my name. It's eric at handler.com. And if they just simply want to learn a little bit more about what we're doing in the marketplace, they can go to handler.com. Uh, they can visit our company page on LinkedIn and follow some of the blog posts and stories that we put up there regularly. So any one of those ways, depending upon the level of interest, would be great. Yeah. Eric, it's been a delight to have you on Profit Sense today. And thank you for for sharing not only your journey, but uh, how you help clients uh, find the leaders for their journey as well. Well, Bill, thanks so much for having me. It's been an honor. I'd like to take a moment to express some gratitude. Uh, This month, the Profitability Coach celebrates our 14th anniversary. Uh, Started in 2009, we went from helping business owners negotiate bank loans at the height of the Great Recession to helping them interpret their financial statements taking them from financial confusion to financial clarity and grow into the company of their dreams. Every business owner has big dreams for their business. They want to do everything they can to make it happen. Unfortunately, many are so busy working in the business, they don't take time to work on the business. From the beginning, our mission has been to help business owners become better financial managers and understand what levers to pull to drive profitability and growth. Our success would not have been possible without the relationships we've built with our trusted business partners and wonderful clients, both past and present, and for that, we thank you. Your faith in us and collaboration has allowed us to help hundreds of business owners achieve profitability they never thought possible. As our world has shifted and needs arise, we're proud to have added services such as financial health checkups and business succession and exit planning. This has allowed us to provide clients with a full array of services from understanding their current financial standing to learning how best to grow their company, to exiting their business with a sense of accomplishment and peace, knowing it will continue on successfully. Again, thank you to everyone who's made our success possible. Here's to many more profitable years ahead. If you want to keep up with the latest in pro-business news, follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram at The Profitability Coach. If you want to listen to past or future ProfitSense episodes, you can find us on ProfitSenseRadio.com. This is ProfitSense with Bill McDermott signing off. Make it a great day.